lovely people of the podcast world, and thank you for clicking on the Sean B. Show. It is November 22nd, the year 2022. We are at the Edge Construction Studio in Columbus, Indiana. Edge Construction, masters of dirt work and site development, masters of all things construction. My friend Brian, master of all things construction, okay? Edge Construction can help you out. Whatever you got, whatever you need, they can do it. Give my man Brian a call, 812-343-3035. Tell him the Sean B. Show sent you, okay? That's what's up. Edge Construction. Call them. You won't regret it. They've got anything you need from a construction standpoint. And if not, they can point you in the right direction, okay? They're good people. They're real good people over there. Today's Sean B. Show, fantastic. We're going to recap week 11 of the NFL football season, talk a little World Cup, talk a little Indiana Pacers. You know, that's what we do. Now start the show. You're listening to the Sean B. Show on Second String Media. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome into the Sean B. Show. It is Sean. I'm all by myself again today, but that won't be the case much longer. There's been talks. We're assembling a a crew. I'm excited about that because honestly, sitting in here barking into a microphone all by myself is is getting old. It's hard to do. And I don't know if people realize how difficult that is to do, to be all by yourself and just 100% solely responsible for everything that goes into the airwaves. It's tough. But I manage. I manage, but I don't have to manage much longer. So... That's uh, that's the case. It is National Cranberry Relish Day, November 22nd, 2002. National Cranberry Relish Day. I've heard some silly national days, okay? But this one takes the fucking cake. Why in the hell would we celebrate the ruining of just regular-ass cranberry? I, just, I love cranberry sauce. It's so good. Make it into a relish? I hear the word relish, I automatically think gross. Gross. That's just me. I could be wrong. Full disclosure, I don't know what the fuck cranberry relish even is. Is it just cranberry? Like, sprinkle the top shit? Is it, is it, I mean, is it all cranberry? Because if that's the case, that's pretty good. I like cranberry. But the word relish just totally throws me out of any contention for ever even having an interest in what that is. Interesting betting week for me on Caesar Sportsbook. I almost made a couple thousand dollars on two different occasions, last night and the night before last. The night before last was the most heartbreaking. I had a big same-game parlay on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Talk about that here in a few minutes. Uh, Had a big same-game parlay last night on Monday Night Football. And honestly, had Arizona made it a game at all, I probably would have hit this. I'm a little surprised by a couple of things that went down last night that kind of burned me, but had Arizona made this a game at all last night, I would have probably hit this bet. But uh, if you watched Monday Night Football last night, the halftime show was amazing. I was, I was, I love that shit. I love that shit. Mexico throws a party, party at Mexico City at Estadio Azteca last night. An absolute party. Monday Night Football had to be a blast. Had to be awesome to be there. 
but the football game didn't turn out to be what we hoped it would. At halftime, it looked like it was going to, right? 17-10 at the half. We we thought maybe there's there's a game brewing here. Maybe we're going to see some life out of the Cardinals. The 49ers just dominated the second half of that game. Absolutely dominated it, and not in the way I needed them to. I needed them to dominate that game through the air in the second half, kind of like they did in the first half. They did not. They ran the ball. They pounded the ball. We didn't see Elijah Mitchell last night until the second half, really. I mean, I think he played three snaps in the first half, and then he was a a stud in the second half on the ground. But more on that later. More on that later. First things first, the Indiana Pacers are really, really good. And I, I have hesitated to say this. They've been on a winning streak. They won their fifth straight last night. The Indiana Pacers are really good. And even better than being really good, they're a lot of fun to watch. You put those both together, it's a good formula. Look, they're in fourth place right now in the East. They're the number four team in the Eastern Conference. And that's a big deal. That's a, that's a good Eastern Conference. Pacers gets a big win last night over Orlando, 21-point win at home. Okay? Here's what I liked about the win last night. The Pacers had four guys in double figures off the bench. Off the bench. Only two starters in double figures, Halliburton and Turner. Turner only had 10. But four guys come off the bench in double figures. TJ McConnell with 19, Brissett with 18, Matherin with 22, and Isaiah Jackson with 10. No double-digit rebounders last night. Isaiah Jackson pulled down eight. A 10-8 and eight game off the bench. What a game for Isaiah Jackson. 9-8 and eight for Aaron Neesmith. The Pacers' full team win last night. It was amazing to watch. It was amazing to just see that Pacers team be the fun team they are to watch. They're young. They're athletic. It's, it, they're a lot of fun to watch. O'Shea Brissett, that's my dude. Benedict Matherin is going to be a stud in this league for a long time. Uh, Buddy healed nine and five, kind of an off night for him. But hey, look, you get a team win like this, it doesn't matter. You got to think if you got two starters in double figures, neither get 20, but you've won the game by 21. Nothing Orlando could do last night. They kept it close for a while. I believe they were ahead after the first quarter. Yeah, they were up a point after the first quarter and the Pacers just dominate second and third quarter, just dominated the second and third quarter. So, good Pacers win last night. This team is, like I said, they are fourth right now in the Eastern Conference. I'm not real sure what is happening with, uh, there we go, with, uh, I was trying to get to the standings. It's still got the Celtics, who took a blowout loss last night to the Bulls. Uh, the Bucks number two at 12-4. and four. The Cavs, 11-6. and six. Pacers are 10-6. and six. Fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Two and a half games behind Boston. They won eight of their last ten. What an exciting time to be a Pacers fan. Very, very cool. Lots of fun to watch. Uh, the Pacers are back at it yet again. Uh, let me see. We got the Lakers. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry. Tomorrow night, we got the Timberwolves at home. Then the Nets at home on Friday. Then they head out west for seven games. So you can get a couple more, at least one more win in this homestand. Nets have Kyrie back. Timberwolves are pretty good. We'll see what happens. I say pretty good. They're nine and eight, but uh, out west, that's 
The Western Conference always seems to just have better teams on the bottom end. Like the Warriors are 8 and 10. That's not going to hold. That's a good Warriors team. Jazz are 12 and 7 leading the conference right now. The Suns, who I believe are the best team out west, 10 and 6. It's uh it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see what the Pacers can do out west. They've got a look, they've got a they've got a task out there. They go to Staples to play the Lakers, they got the Kings, the Jazz, the Blazers, the Warriors, the Timberwolves again. It'll come back home till December 9th against Washington. So Tall order for the Pacers coming up. Uh, West Coast road trips are never easy. We'll see how they do. Like I said, this is a young team. It's a young team, and they've started out really, really well. The over-under on the Pacers wins total for this season, I believe, was 22 or 23 and a half. 16 games in, they've got 10. They're 10 and 6. So that's a great start. Nobody saw that great of a start coming. Everybody said, well, it's the Pacers. You know, it's cool to win a few games. Here we go. This is a good basketball team. And I'm waiting on them. They're going to play teams that are just better. They're going to run into the Utah Jazz. They're going to run into the Phoenix Suns. Um, we'll, see how, we'll see how they fare, you know, over the course of the season against Boston, against Milwaukee. Cleveland also kind of a surprise to me. It's a good basketball team over there in Cleveland, too. But uh, for the moment, the Pacers, 16 games in, 10 and 6. No one saw that coming. They've won five straight. Very, very cool to watch this Pacers team kind of flourish and start to become who they are. Big old fan of that. Sticking with basketball, the Hoosiers get a win the other night against Miami. Miami of Ohio. The Red Hawks up there at Gamebridge. 30-point win, 86-56. Same same kind of formula. Nobody can stop Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, Miller Cop actually put up double figures. Hood Chafino with 12. Malik Renew with 10. Again, a lot of guys scoring points. This this team went deep to the bench. Caleb Banks had six points on a board. C.J. Gunn had five points on a board. Who? <laughs> Jordan Geronimo getting some uh, production in. Malik Renew with 10 off the bench. That kid's going to be a stud, too. Indiana still still kind of uh, gearing up for that test, okay? Because next Wednesday, they've got a test coming. They've got Little Rock tomorrow night, Jackson State Friday. But Indiana, North Carolina, Big Ten ACC Challenge, Wednesday, November 30th, 9.15 p.m. Assembly Hall, Bloomington, Indiana. It's going to be a tough one. Then they go right into the couple of, a couple of big early Big Ten games. They got Rut, going to Piscataway to play Rutgers in uh, Nebraska at home. You hope by the end of this stretch, so they're four zero now. Probably going to be six zero to you know through the weekend. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe climb into the top ten uh, in terms of of, of rankings. We'll see uh, Creighton. Uh, Creighton put it on AM yesterday in uh, Maui. So we'll see how that goes. I'm going to look through this uh, this top 10 real quick. Uh, this top 25, actually, because it's 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 going to be tough. North Carolina up there at the top 4-0. Houston, number two. Kansas, three. They're on the schedule here in a few weeks. That Texas team down there is really, really good. Uh, Virginia. Rounding out the top five, Gonzaga is still at number six. I'm not, I'm not real sure how. Um, 
Texas is good, and like I said, they put it on Gonzaga. Michigan State was unranked. They debut in the top 25 at 12. Come from not being ranked at all to bam, here you are at 12. That happens a lot early in the year. Michigan State losing to Gonzaga by a point on the aircraft carrier, beating Kentucky in double overtime. You kind of wonder with this little circle of teams how good they all are. But Indiana sits right there at 11 behind Creighton, Arkansas, Duke at number eight. Baylor is number seven. That's uh, Michigan State, Illinois. Teams like that are going to challenge Indiana in the Big Ten this season. We got to hope that uh, we got to hope that we're not overranked. You know, I mean, we go to Xavier and win by two points. Xavier didn't make their way to the top twenty-five. Tough to win on the road, but that's showing at Xavier. Seeing that Xavier team kind of expose a couple of things, a couple of issues with this backcourt. Kind of scary. So we'll see what the, what we're dealing with Wednesday night. Next Wednesday night in Bloomington, North Carolina coming to Bloomington for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. That's going to be a fun game. I cannot wait. UNC, Indiana, Wednesday, November 30th, 9.15 p.m. See what the number one Tar Heels are made of. See what the number 11 Hoosiers are made of. Oak and Bucket game, speaking of things happening in Bloomington coming up this weekend, Oak and Bucket game, Indiana hosting Purdue Saturday at 3.30 p.m. for the Oak and Bucket. <sighs> A lot of people not real confident. The Hoosiers at 4-7, and seven, Purdue 7-4. Seven and four. Old Oak and Bucket game, though, man. All bets are off. All bets are off. Oak and Bucket game, big game. Going to be Indiana's last game this season. Got to think even, at, you know, I know some five-win teams get bowl games. I got to think the Hoosiers are not going to be one of those teams. There's so many bowl games now. It's amazing what these big companies are willing to pay for, okay? Like the 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 Mike Sells Chips, you know, whatever bowl, you know. But I, I can't imagine, even if Indiana gets a win against Purdue, a five-win IU team this year getting any kind of bowl game. So we'll see. We'll see. Just looking forward to the Oak and Bucket and bringing that to Bloomington, Indiana, Purdue, 3.30 Saturday. I had a chance to get tickets. And like I said, there was a bundle for like for $110, two tickets to the Jackson State game Friday night and then the Oak and Bucket game Saturday. Work schedules, man. Unfortunately, this podcast has not taken off to the point where I don't have to work anymore. So, and I, I got a feeling, I got a feeling we're getting closer though. With every comment you leave, with every share I get, we're getting a little closer, okay? Just throwing that out there. Every four years, and I say that every, really every two years, because, I mean, I think a lot of people in this country really got behind the U.S. women's national team uh, when they won the World Cup a couple of years ago. But people start to care about soccer around World Cup time. It becomes, a, it becomes more about national pride. It becomes more about us as a country versus you as a country and 32 countries competing for, for, the, for, the, for the soccer crown. Whether you like it or not, soccer is the most popular sport in the world. American football coming up in the world, though, that international series, man, we went to three different countries this year. 
pretty fucking cool. And like I said earlier, they put on a show in Mexico City last night. But the World Cup, like I said, I, I rarely get overly intensified at work about sporting events. I had a blast yesterday. I had to work during the USA-Wales match. I don't know if I should call it a match or a game. I'm not real sure. I'm a stupid American. But on the pitch, in cutter, USA-Wales going to full-time, tied. I think this drives me crazy. But if you really dive into that, it is a tie. It feels like a loss. I say that because England is really, really good. You really wanted to come away with a win yesterday. Wales getting that final goal. I believe it was the 84th minute. I believe it was the 84th minute. 82nd minute, sorry. Gareth Bale on a penalty kick. Bad deal. Bad deal. You really wanted to put together something, get a two-goal lead, in case something like that were going to happen, Gareth Bale, obviously a very well globally respected soccer player, him getting a PK, that was not that was not a was not a good feeling. Because mostly the United States, especially in the first half, dominated that entire match. Fifty nine percent of the possession was to the U.S. A hundred and sixty four more passes from the U.S. than Wales. Better pass accuracy. More yellow cards, but uh, U.S. getting six shots to Wales seven, and then uh, Wales had three shots on target. Great day yesterday for uh, the U.S. goalkeeper Morgan. At the end of the day, though, it's a it's a draw, and it's not a loss. But like I said, this England team in Group B really really good. The favorites to win Group B, of course, they beat Iran yesterday six to two. You kind of wanted to get that leg up. You kind of felt like the entire, it was a lot like the Colts-Eagles game. You felt like the whole time USA was poised to win it. And then, like I said, in the 82nd minute, a PK goes for a goal. We only get one point towards our group standings. We've got England on Friday the 25th. That's a, that's a big one. That just became a big one. You have to beat England. Now, and that's a good that's a good team. Like I said, the favorites to win Group B, you've got to win that game now. We were talking the other day about the opener, Cutter and Ecuador. Ecuador getting a two goal nil win. Cutter, the first host country to lose the opening game ever. Lots of drama with this. Lots of drama with this World Cup. The national team from Qatar kind of looked like they they weren't on that level. We'll see how we'll see how they play moving forward. But uh, it, it, just kind of strange. You didn't see a lot of support there for for the the people of Qatar. Like you, uh, they got Senegal on Friday, eight o'clock in the morning. USA on Friday again at two. It's a good time. Two o'clock game. Wales and Iran, 5 a.m. That group B matchup. Again, the the draw with Wales makes this whole thing just really strange. And like I said, 
this is the time to be excited about soccer. This is the time. <laughs> Sometimes I glance up at the comments and it gets me off track. This is the time that everybody's excited about soccer. I like soccer year-round, football, whatever. I enjoy it year-round. World Cup, next level. Next level excitement. I'm stoked. Friday, gigantic match. The USA, I believe for the USA to have any chance at winning Group B, we've got to beat England. Got to beat England. You kind of want Iran to beat Wales. I mean, these standings, they just... We'll see. We shall see. Top two from each group. Move on. Anyway, yeah, enough about soccer. USA, Friday against England. Huge matchup. Huge matchup. Until then, look, spend your afternoons, your mornings and your afternoons watching the World Cup. All right, you get four games every day. They start at 5 a.m., 8 a.m., 11 a.m., and 2 p.m. Already got Argentina going down to Saudi Arabia today. I consider that to be an upset. Denmark and Tunisia going full time with no goals, nil nil tie. Mexico and Poland right now as we speak, nil nil in the twenty second minute. France and Australia play later. I want to show you something. Uh, this was shared to me in a group chat the other day, and uh, I found it super interesting because I love to bet. I like these long shot bets. I'm like, let's just. Take a little money and and seriously expand like the the boundaries of what we can possibly make. You know, and if we if we lose, it's not that big a deal. But if we win, we are banking. I'm a big fan of big long shot bets for small money. And this is maybe my favorite one I've ever seen. Share with me in a group chat the other day. Now, if you're looking on the screen. You can see the bet slip. I don't know who that random person is who's clearly green screening this in whatever video. But listen to this bet. Kansas to win the NCAA championship in 2022 at plus 280. The Golden State Warriors to win an NBA title in 2022. The Colorado Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup in 2022. AC Milan straight betting to win plus 130. Los Angeles FC to win the MLS, plus 500 in 2022. Man City, minus 220 for a win. I believe that was an English Premier League win. Anyway, seven-leg parlay. Those six legs have all hit. One leg left. This is a $26 bet that, if hit, pays $557,000. $770, and for good measure, 91 cents. Over a half mil on a $26 bet. Seven, six out of seven legs have hit. One last leg left, and that's for France to win the World Cup. Outright 2022 World Cup winner. Now, at the time he made this bet, and maybe still on, I believe this is a bet slip from FanDuel, at the time this bet was made, France was plus 650 to be the outright winner of the World Cup. 
France on Caesar's Sportsbook now, which is the only sportsbook you should be betting on. Because they have Caesar's reward, Caesar's rewards, boo, 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 boo. Caesar's rewards. It's where I bet. Look, I'm a Diamond Elite member with Caesar's. Okay, I gotta bet on Caesar's Sportsbook. All my points, all my perks, they're all right there. Boom, boom, boom. Betting from my phone. Almost winning money last night. Talk about that in a minute. Anyway, this is a bet slip from FanDuel. Seven legs. Six of them have hit. Five hundred seventy-seven thousand. If the guy wins, twenty-six dollar bet. Guy or girl? Don't know. I only, it might be a girl because I only have this clear green screened image of a female face on the whatever. Cash out offer of $81,000. Now, if you're not familiar with sports betting or betting on the apps, if you do a big a bet like that, it doesn't have to be a big bet. Any bet like that, if you get close to hitting or if the app thinks you're going to hit, they'll offer you what is called a cash out, which is basically they'll pay you a portion of what you would win to go ahead and just settle it now. They're asking you to say, is this enough money for you to say, here's a guaranteed win, we're good. Or you cannot take the cash out. And if your bet doesn't hit, you get fucking nothing. The conversation I had the other night said this is all down to perspective, right? It all depends on the person, person to person. $26, not a lot to lose for me. Might be a lot for somebody. But we're going to go ahead and go from my perspective. 26 bucks, not a whole lot to lose. It's about my average unit um, when I'm betting parlays. So 26 bucks to win five fifty seven. To win $557,000, one leg away, out of 32 countries, I'll go back and look at this here. Out of 32 countries, go to World Cup Futures, France is fourth in odds to win the World Cup. They've actually just moved to plus 700 now. So odds on favorite is Brazil. England being second, Argentina being third, France being fourth in odds to win the World Cup. If France wins the World Cup and this guy doesn't take the cash out, he takes home $557,000. Or the offer from FanDuel right now is $26 was your wager. We'll give you eighty-one grand to settle this now. And and I and I said the other night, I said, this depends on the person. Because to me, while a $26 bet isn't a whole lot of money, $81,000 is. $81,000 is a lot of money to me. It's a lot of money to most people. How big of a gambler are you? How much faith do you have in France to win the World Cup. Do you wait on, on France to, I mean, France's first match is today. So if France goes today and beats Australia, which they are favored to do, I bet that cash out number goes up a little bit. Like, is that the game you're playing? Or are you saying, nope, fuck that. I'm all in with France. And if they don't fucking win the World Cup, 
personally, I'm going to vomit because it's not about the $26 bet anymore. And that's the game the apps play, right? It's not about the $26 bet anymore. It is now about the fact that if you have 81 grand on the table, that's what this is about. There's $81,000 on the table. Take it, leave it, whatever. If France doesn't win the World Cup, and I know that I could have got 81K, I'm going to fucking puke. Here's some information we don't know. We don't know, was there cash-out offers earlier? And I doubt there was. I doubt there was until the sixth leg of that bet hit. And when it was seven legs, six of them had hit, one leg left, I bet is when the cash-out offers started coming in. If his bet were on Brazil to win the World Cup, the payout wouldn't be near 557 grand. It'd still be a lot. But it wouldn't be near 557 grand, and the cash out offer would be less. Or it might be more. Lot to unbox there when stuff like that happens. But uh, I, I, like I said, I don't know the backstory on this. This was just sent to me the other day. I wanted to talk about it. Because this is how sports betting works. When you see up in the top right corner, for those that don't get it, this is a plus plus 2.145 million bet. So it's basically 21,451 times odds. Your bet times 21,451.72. Sickening. Amazing. And if you can hit a bet like that, 26 grand for over a half a million, that's life-changing money. I don't care who you are. To to 98% of the people on the planet, that's life-changing money. Yeah, you're taking the cash out. Like I said, it's all about perspective. This guy may be a multi-millionaire, but here's the thing. If he's a multi-millionaire, I doubt he's making a $26 bet, even on a parlay as crazy as this one. So just my take on the whole thing on a parlay like that, that paid 21,000 times the result. I'm probably only betting five bucks. So, you know, who knows the situation, the backstory, but it gave me an opportunity to talk about sports betting and cash outs and how those work. And like I said, Kansas, Golden State, Colorado, AC Milan, LAFC, Man City, all hit. France wins the World Cup. This guy pockets 557 grand. Who knows what he's going to do because nobody knows who the fuck he is. Um, And that's that. That's that. What a week in the National Football League to sleep through it. Honestly, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bitter Colts fan. I am a bitter Colts fan. The week starts with the Titans beating the Packers. And you're instantly like, shit. We needed the Titans to lose, which I don't think we do anymore. Because I've broken down a Colts blueprint for the playoffs. (laughs) That's right. Playoffs. I've broken this down. I'll get to that here in a little bit. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. (laughs) I'm telling you. But I've broken it down. I'll get to more on that later on. Titans beat the Packers on Thursday night football, 27-17. One of the better Thursday night games we've had this year. Sunday was a crazy day. I honestly thought Justin Fields uh, would carry the Bears past the Falcons. He did not. Falcons win 27-24. Fields 
buck 53 in the air, another 85 on the ground. How long is he going to be their leading rusher? <clears throat> is he is he that? Is he that Lamar Jackson guy? I mean, they've got a pretty good running back in David Montgomery, 17 for 67 and a tud. But Justin Fields, a tud on the ground, a tud in the air. Falcons are too much. Mariota, 13 to 20 for a buck 31 and a touchdown. Also got another one <coughs> on the ground. My God. My God. Drake London, a receiving tud. His only catch of the day, one, two yards, receiving tud. Falcons beat the Bears 27-24. Patriots-Jets must have been awful for anyone to watch because pitching duels in baseball are fun for me. I like one nothing baseball games. Fucking nobody on the planet, though, especially a fan of either team, likes a game that's 3-3 three to three, 59 minutes into it. And then out of nowhere, a punt return for punt return for a touchdown. Patriots win 10 to 3. Jets are not legit. Zach Wilson questioned as a leader. When asked if he thought he let the defense down, he simply said no. They had 77 yards in the air. 77. Honestly, only 44 passing yards. But Zach Wilson, 77 in the air. Some negative plays in there. It's just a bad 103 total yards for the Jets. And Zach Wilson is going to go and say he does not feel like he let the defense down. Your defense held a team to three points. You had the ball at the end of the game. You decided to punt to just set the Patriots back so they didn't have time to do anything. We can go to overtime. And they run that punt back down your throat just to kind of seal up the day that you've honestly had. 103 total yards. Patriots only went for 297. Mac Jones, 246 in the air, 23 to 27. No tuds, no picks. Mac Jones, that's a good day. 23 to 27, that's a good, efficient day. I mean, you look at the, you look at the turnovers. Nobody turned the ball over. Neither team turned the ball over. I guess that's a positive for the Jets. Jets punted 10 times to New England, seven. There's no offense whatsoever. Boring. Patriots win 10 to three. Commanders, Texans. The Commanders got a chance to dominate. Taylor Heineke, 15 to 27 for a buck 91. I would have guessed more than that. Curtis Samuel with a rushing touchdown. Yeah. Commanders win 23 to 10. Honestly, this is a game I didn't get a chance to watch, so I'm kind of just flipping through here. Yeah. Commanders win 23 to 10. Texans are still really bad. They're 1 8 and 1. Just a rough year for Houston. Rams Saints, I didn't think this one was going to go the way it did. I honestly thought the Rams would get it together in New Orleans. They did not. They're 3-7. and seven. I know Cooper Cup's out, but just, just a bad day for the Rams. Just a bad day for the Rams. Andy Dalton, 21-25 for 260 and three touchdowns. That's a stat line, baby. 
Taysom Hill, nine carries for 52 yards. Alvin Kamara, 12 for 42. Olave got in the end zone. Jawan Johnson got in the end zone. Jarvis Landry got in the end zone. Saints win 27-20. Moved to four and seven. What a day. I need a wireless mouse. I'm sitting here dicking with this mouse cord. I need a wireless mouse. Browns, Bills in Detroit. You see the pictures from from uh, Orchard Park, from Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park. That's just a uh, this is disgusting. Seventy some inches of snow. Bills and Browns moved the game to Detroit. Didn't matter. Bills are really good. Josh Allen eighteen and twenty seven for a buck ninety seven. Not really a Josh Allen stat line, but uh, Singletary eighty six on the ground with a tud. Stephon Diggs four for forty eight and a tud. Bills handle the Browns. Honestly, Jacoby Brissett, 28 of 41 for 324 and three touchdowns. A lot of Colts fans look at number seven and they're like, hey, man, this guy might be a dude. Like, and if he's not a dude, like, he's more productive than the Colts quarterbacks have been. I would say Phillip Rivers kind of count him out of that. Phillip Rivers had a pretty good year, but uh, the Browns. Pretty good running game, too. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Not a lot of yards on the ground yesterday, but Jacoby had him taken care of. Jacoby got 29 on the ground of his own. Two tuds to Amari Cooper, another one to Peoples-Jones. Bills still win 31-23. Get back on track. Panthers-Ravens 13-3. I didn't expect this. I thought the Panthers were... I So I thought the Panthers would score more. I thought this would be a higher scoring game. I had Panthers... I think the, the line on this game was like 13. I had Panthers plus 13. But Baker, 196, can't throw two interceptions. No touchdowns, two interceptions. I don't like that Baker Mayfield turned out the way Baker Mayfield did. I honestly, I had high hopes for Baker Mayfield. I wanted him to go to Carolina and succeed. It's not going well. Lamar was 24-33 for 209. Didn't throw any touchdown passes, but he did throw a pick, but he did have a tud on his own on the ground. Mark Andrews back in the lineup for a while. Six grabs, 63 yards. Demarcus Robinson, nine grabs for 128 yards. Rams win 13-3 and move to 7-3. Ravens. I said Rams. Ravens. The Ravens. The Rams got embarrassed in New Orleans. Speaking of embarrassing, the Lions and the Jets... Lions and the Giants, Jesus Christ, too many drugs. The New York Giants came into this game 7-2 and in what I thought was the worst 7-2 and team in the history of football, and the Detroit Lions, who are surging, showed that. Jared Goff, 17-26, Bucks 65, not a lot of production in the air. But on the ground, Jamal Williams, whoo boy, three touchdowns, 17 carries for 64 yards. DeAndre Swift added a rushing tud, five for 20. Old Goffey looking like a game manager. Look, the Lions look tough. 31 to 18. This is the Giants. I've said the Giants were overrated. I believe the Giants were overrated. I believe the Lions proved it. Worst seven and three team I've ever seen. Raiders, Broncos. Raiders finally getting back on track. They're three and seven. The Broncos now three and seven. Derek Carr, 23 of 37 for 307 yards, two touchdowns, both to Devontae Adams, who had seven for a buck 41. Josh Jacobs added 109 on the ground. Who? Who? Is this Vegas? 
Maybe they just can't play in Vegas. Raiders are three and seven. Man, they looked pretty good yesterday. Cowboys, Vikings. You want to talk about? Okay, so I said, I said, how is an eight and one Vikings team a one and a half point underdog at home to the Cowboys? I knew the cow. We know the Cowboys are pretty good. We know they're better than their seven three record suggests. But I didn't think an eight and one Vikings who just come off of a win against Buffalo in Buffalo would be an underdog to the Cowboys. Boy, were we wrong. Cowboys win 40 to three and honestly just dominated every aspect of this ball game. Tony Pollard, six grabs for a buck nine and two touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott, 15 carries, 42 yards, two touchdowns. Tony Pollard was their leading rusher and leading receiver from a yardage standpoint. Zeke pushing those two tuds in. Tony Pollard catching two of them in the air. 40-3, to the Cowboys dominate Minnesota. And kind of, okay, so everybody was on the Vikings like, right, yeah, they're not good. They're not that good. They're not that good. And then they beat Buffalo in Buffalo, and it's like, okay, fuck it. This team has arrived. And then they come out for week 11, and they're underdogs to Dallas at home. And it's confusing because it's like, what do I think about the Vikings? What do I what do I do? And then they <laughs> Kirk Cousins, 12 of 23 for a buck oh five. Nick Mullins, five of seven for fifty-four. Dalvin Cook, 72 yards on the ground. Just nothing going right for the Vikings. Justin Jefferson, three grabs, only 33 yards. No tuds, no gritties. Dallas just dominates this football game on every level. 10 to 3 in the first quarter, 13 to nothing, second quarter, 14 to nothing, third quarter, tack on another three in the fourth. 40 to 3 Cowboys win in Minnesota. Nasty. Nasty. What about them late games? Bengals, Steelers, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, baby. 24 39, 355, four tuds. He did throw two picks, and that's what keeps this game close. Kenny Pickett, though, I've got to give a little props to Kenny Pickett, 25 of 42. 265 and a touchdown pass. Okay, he hit Pickens in the air. Kenny Pickett also two, car- two carries, 14 yards. That's actually low for him for a rushing total standpoint. Najee Harris had 20 carries for 90 yards and two touchdowns. Not enough from the Steelers. Joe Burrow making up for that Bengals defense who kind of let Pittsburgh, I mean, Pittsburgh offensively rather productive. Pittsburgh outrushed the Bengals, 249 through the air, 351 total yards to to Cincinnati's 408. The two turnovers, it's one of those things where you lose the turnover battle, but you still find a way to win the game. You found a way. His name was Joe Burrow, 2439 through the air, 355 yards, four touchdowns, three of which to Samaj P. Ryan and the other one to Trenton Irwin. Okay, so no T. Higgins, no Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins had 148 in the air. Don't get me wrong. No tuds. Samaj P. Ryan, four grabs, 52 yards, three of them touchdown catches. Bengals win 37-30. I watched a great game Sunday night. I watched an amazing football game Sunday night. I spent the time watching this football game thinking that I had a shot of collecting from a huge same-game parlay, okay? It's something I do every Sunday night 
I like to do a big same game parlay on the Sunday night football game. I like the Sunday night football game the most when the Chiefs are playing because to me, the Chiefs are an easy team to bet high offensive production. And I'm a guy who does not like to bet unders. I don't like unders whatsoever. So I had a, what was this? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine leg parlay. Same game parlay. I don't know why I went so many legs. But nine legs, same game parlay, $20 bet. Would have paid 2000 Patrick Mahomes over two and a half touchdowns. Hit that. Noah Gray over one and a half receptions. Hit that. Austin Eckler over 42 and a half yards. Hit that. Isaiah Pacheco over 12 and a half rushing attempts. Hit that. Harrison Butker over two and a half total extra points. Hit that. Jarek McKinnon over 10 and a half total rushing yards. Hit that. Patrick Mahomes over 296.5 passing yards. Hit that. There's seven legs that would have paid pretty good money. But what did I do? I had to throw in Travis Kelsey over six and a half total receptions. He had six. I had to throw in the Chiefs winning by five and a half. Chiefs minus five and a half. They won by three. So paint this picture. I'm needing these two legs still. I need one more catch from Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs to win by five and a half. So when the Chargers got the ball back at the end of the game, I'm praying that they kick a field goal and tie it and send it to overtime. And I'm praying that we get a Buffalo Bills overtime playoff repeat where Travis Mahomes hits Kelsey in the end zone to win the game in overtime. Because had those three things happen, I'd, I'd be two grand heavier. I'd be two grand heavier. That's what I'm saying. Had those three things happen, I'd be two grand heavier. They didn't happen, but the Chiefs win. Great football game. Patrick Mahomes, a stud as always. Um, it was Dan Orlovsky yesterday. They were talking about NFL MVP and all these guys you want to give it to, but you shouldn't give it to him because Patrick Mahomes is hands down the MVP. I was talking about that in baseball the other day where Shohei Otani is hands down Always should be the American League MVP. They didn't give it to Shohei. I'm mad about it. If they don't give it to Mahomes this year, I'll be equally mad about it. It's just those things. Like, you don't want to give it to this guy. You don't want to know that this is your guy at the beginning of the year. You want to consider Tua Tungavailoa. You want to consider Lamar Jackson. You want to consider the Josh Allens of the world. Uh, Derek Henry. Obviously, should be in that conversation. You want to consider those guys, but it's Patrick Mahomes' award to lose, and he does not lose that award when he goes twenty at thirty-four for three hundred twenty-nine yards and three touchdowns. And when the when the Chargers, I'm sorry, when the Chargers scored the touchdown to go ahead, you knew, even at that point, you knew that Kansas City was going to win. You knew it. There was no question. Your mind never once said, oh, my God, the Chiefs might lose this game. Not once. And if you think it did, you're wrong. It didn't. Nobody thought, oh, man, the Chiefs are done. The Chiefs are going to lose. It was obvious that he was going to roll down the field and throw another touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. Six catches, buck 15, three tuds. Just sick, dude. Isaiah Pacheco, what a game on the ground. 15 carries, 107 yards. Didn't get in the end zone, but man, what a game. That kid's a stud.
he's going to be real good for a long time. Edward Solaire getting hurt with only two carries and nine yards. I hate this for that guy, but I think he's the third best running back on that team. Jarek McKinnon, six carries, 24 yards. And again, McKinnon, McKinnon gets more rushing yards, if not for Pacheco. Pacheco's really good. Absolute stud. Noah Gray got them two catches I needed him to get. Uh, but it looked like uh, Justin Watson. This is a tight end kind of day. Justin Watson, three grabs for 67 yards. Sky Moore, also an emerging rookie, five five grabs for 63 yards. Chiefs are really good. They got weapons every, everywhere. And it feels like no matter who they bring in, they're going to make them a weapon. It just really feels like that. And it starts with number 15, under center. Chiefs win. They go to eight and two. That's the best team in the NFL. Nobody can change my mind now. Uh, still not Philly. Still not anybody. Chiefs win. Best team in the NFL. 49ers Cardinals. I got a chance to watch this game last night in its entirety. I had another big same game parlay on this game last night. Not quite as large as the one I put on as the one I put on uh, Kansas City, but it paid the same. I think this one had eight legs. Yeah, eight-legger. And I thought I was going to hit this one. At halftime, I was so good. The only thing that I was worried about at halftime was I had Brandon Ayuk over four and a half catches, and he only had one in the first half. It was a touchdown catch, but that's what I had. But Robbie Gold over two and a half made extra points. Jimmy Garoppolo over two touch over one and a half touchdown passes. DeAndre Hopkins over six receptions, six and a half receptions. Most of these were about hit in the first half. George Kittle over 46 and a half yards hit in the first half. Colt McCoy over 33 and a half passing attempts. He had 23 in the first half. I never doubted that bet. I also didn't doubt Kittle over four and a half catches. That did not hit. I did not doubt James Conner over 14 and a half carries. That did not hit. He had 11 in the first half. I needed four carries from James Conner in the second half. He got three. But Ayuk was not getting enough targets. He was not getting, he was not going to catch five. He was not going to catch five balls last night. That's just part of it. Just part of betting. Ayuk, two catches, 20 yards, two touchdowns. So from my perspective, I'm like, man, Ayuk had a down game. Fuck, the guy scored two touchdowns. George Kittle, four for 84 and two touchdowns. At halftime, though, I thought this was going to be a good bet. I thought, we're good, man. Like, I don't see how this cannot hit as long as the Cardinals keep it close. They did not. Niners dominate on the ground in the second half, and they dominated on the ground in the second half. Elijah Mitchell uh, played three snaps in the first half, ended up being San Francisco's leading rusher last night. Nine carries, 59 yards. CMC always doing what CMC do. He had seven for 39 on the ground and seven for 67 in the air. That would have been a great bet to make, Christian McCaffrey receptions, but I talked myself out of it. I talked myself out of it for two reasons. One, Elijah Mitchell was getting a piece of this. He was getting a piece of this running back action because he's going to be really good. And I know they used CMC in the passing game, but his, his – uh, what was his reception total number last night? I've got this still. Uh, nope, I didn't have it. Didn't even consider it. <laughs> didn't have it. 
Didn't even consider it. So never mind. I was wrong. I lied. Anyway, $20 bet would have paid two grand. At halftime, I thought I was gold. I was not gold. But hey, great showing in Mexico City. The San Francisco 49ers have figured this out. Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm, I'm tired of people shitting on him. And I used to be one of those people. Jimmy Garoppolo, 20 for 29, 228 yards, four touchdowns. That's not a mind-blowing, blow-your-fucking-head-off game. But it's a very good game. Four touchdown passes. Finding guys in the end zone. You got weapons, okay? You got Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel got a lot of catches last night. Seven for 57. Rushing touchdown from Debo Samuel last night. Huge run. Great run. A lot of fun to watch. But I hated to see it because I needed throwing. I needed passing. The Niners didn't put the ball in the air very much in the second half. Outside of Kittle's touchdown catch that he had in the third quarter. So... What a game, though. Mexico City got a show last night. The 49ers are really good. And I and I denied it, and I denied it, and I denied it for so long. But the Christian McCaffrey trade has done exactly what they wanted it to do. It just adds another piece to this offense that is really, really, really good. The defense is stealth. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how good their defense is. Felt bad for Colt McCoy. That guy took a beating last night. 24, 34, 218 yards. He threw a pick, but it wasn't like it was a deflection. I could put that on him. He's done a great job stepping in for Kyler Murray. James Conner, 14, 14 for 42 in a touchdown last night. Again, if the Cardinals could have repeated the first half production in the second half, I feel like the Niners would have had to throw a little more. Maybe this bet hits. I don't know. Anyway, a great game. The Niners win, obviously dominant. Mexico City got a show, great time. It has come time where I have to talk about this Colts game. And I don't want to, okay? I'm like everybody else. Watching this game Sunday made me feel like, like for, for 55 minutes of this game, I felt like this is a really good Colts team who is containing a really good Eagles team. And it's what it was. It's what it was. But the problem is, this Colts team needs to, needs to continue to find ways to do more offensively. This is what Paris Campbell said after the game. You know, I felt like we had that game won. Um, it was just a lot of self-inflicted wounds, which, I mean, that's what it's been over the course of the season. Um, but it... Like, this one hurts because we know, like, that team didn't beat us. We beat ourselves. Yeah. At the end of the game, a little little breakdown. And a defensive breakdown should be allowed. <clears throat> Nobody's perfect. Colts defense is great all day. Hurts only threw for a buck 90. Eagles didn't have a 100-yard rusher. Jalen Hurts ran for 86. And Colts, 284 to 314. The Eagles were just a few more total yards. Colts outpassed the Eagles. The Eagles did outrush the Colts. Yards per play, 4.6 to 5.1. I mean, 
Colts won the turnover battle. The possession time of possession battle was equal. These are two teams that went to battle yesterday. And it was such a close game that whoever made the big mistake was going to lose. And the big mistake was not. Let's, let's hear Jeff Saturday's comments, post-game comments yesterday. Tough one, right? We, we had everything in front of us. We didn't execute enough to, to get the win. Disappointing loss, obviously. Uh, just too many mistakes. I mean, too many penalties, too many negative plays. Um, you know, missing, missing kicks, just... You can't, you can't play a, a team that good and give them that many opportunities. We just left them in the game, and ultimately they made, uh, made one more play than we did. One more play. And the Seas just absolutely parted for Jalen Hurts on that touchdown run. The Seas absolutely parted. It was the last thing that those 11 guys thought they were going to do. They followed the blockers. They went where the line went. Jalen Hurts follows Boston Scott into the end zone. Crazy. Just, but it was so weird to watch that go down and think, man, like how, how is this happening? Because the Colts were in control the entire game. So then it comes down to the little things. A 50, a missed field goal. You know, and, and, and we can blame Chase McLaughlin all we want, but he, he's made some kicks. He missed one yesterday. This for me is not being able to put to punch it in when we're in the red zone. This to me is the result of an offense that is still too conservative. They've had one drive in the last two weeks that I absolutely loved. And it was with their backs against the wall at the end of the half in the Raiders game where they come out with a minute to go in the half, regular kickoff, starting from the 25, and they're like, fuck this. We're going to get in the field goal range. We're going to do it right now. Pop, 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 field goal range, more points before the half. I loved that drive. I thought it was a super aggressive approach. I was really impressed by it because it was a brand-new interim head coach and a brand-new play caller and Matt Ryan back on the field for the first time in a few weeks. More of that. More of that deliberate play. More of that, we're going to go out and do this right now. Not, let's go see what we can do. Because that's what I get from the Colts most of the time when they have the ball offensively. Let's go see what we can do. Fuck that. Deliberately out there to do this job. Deliberately out there to create opportunities for a running back who should be up there in the upper echelon of best running backs in this league. And he's not. He's not because all eight guys they can stuff in the box. They know what's coming. Every gap's full. There's no guesswork. There's no guesswork with the Indianapolis Colts. And that's that's an issue. Because 28's just going to be swallowed. Because there's no guesswork. And a lot of that is because there's no threat, right? Like... There's not an established quarterback receiver relationship where you've got a, you've got a key on this guy. You've got to watch this happening over the middle. I want to see more of Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr. working to create space for each other. 
I want to see more of these tight ends making these linebackers stay back and on their heels. I want to see more of the Colts saying, we're going to open up this field a little bit. And we're going <laughs> we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna do some things downfield that make you have to soften up up front. And it hasn't been able to happen because, well, why? Because Matt Ryan threw nine interceptions in the first few weeks of the season. Like when you started to try to play deliberately and you started to try to create things downfield to soften up this front box, you threw picks. You made mistakes. You couldn't block. I mean, the last drive of the game, I'm, I'm, I, in my head, I'm like, okay, get downfield, get, get downfield, get a field goal. We're not out. When Jalen Hurts scored, we're not out. Go down, get a field goal. They did the best thing they could have possibly done. They attacked our tackles. They went after Raymond and Fries. Braden Smith, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, those guys, those guys played pretty well. Bernard Raymond, Will Fries, rough day. Rough day for those guys between the penalties and just getting absolutely mauled up front. Rough day for those guys. Ultimately, on the last drive, that's what cost us. Matt Ryan cannot turn the ball over in those situations. There were eagles in his face instantly. The last thing you can do is turn the ball over. Take a sack, you still got life. You turn the ball over, the game's over. I feel like he's done a better job of protecting the football since he's come back. In fact, I don't think he's turned anything over. It's still going to be it's going to be really hard for any quarterback to do anything when you're paying. Look at Kirk Cousins yesterday. His offensive line got him fucking mauled yesterday. Couldn't do anything. These non-skilled positions, these guys have to, it's, it's all part of the functioning offense. We're learning that more than, one of the things we were most sure about, we were most sure that we could offer Matt Ryan a stellar offensive line to set up behind and pick defenses apart. We ain't got it. We ain't got it. This isn't new information. This is what we've learned throughout the course of the season. We ain't got it. And I don't give a shit who you put back there. They're not going to get it. Matt Ryan of quarterbacks on our roster gives us the best chance. But I don't give a shit who you put back there. They're going to get fucking murdered. That's an issue. And that's what happened in this Eagles game. Can we take this week with our ring of honor center as a head coach and, 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 get, and maybe get things right? And I hope so. Because look, I'm a positive guy. I like to look at things from a positive standpoint. I like to cheer for things that I think can still happen. And I said it before earlier today in a post. I said it in the in the in the title of this of this video and this podcast. I think the Colts still have a chance. And there's a blueprint for that chance. And it's not that it's not that crazy. It's not that crazy. And it sounds crazy because what I'm about to say is 
Throw the AFC, out, AFC South title out the window. Tennessee's really good. They're going to keep balling. Now, normally, with the AFC South being a down division, you would say something like, well, you're not getting a wild card team out of that dog shit division. But the reason the opportunity is created is because of the parity that we're finding in the National Football League this year. There's a lot of teams that are middle of the road. A lot of teams are middle of the road. Let's look at 6 through 10 in the AFC. 10 might surprise you. Let's look at 6 through 10 in the AFC. And remember, 6 and 7 get playoff bursts. The New England Patriots are number 6 right now at 6 and 4. The Bengals are number 7 right now at 6 and 4. The Jets are 8th at 6 and 4. By the way, if the season were to end today, the Jets are tied for the last playoff spot, meaning all four AFC East teams would get in the playoffs. Not necessarily, the Bengals have a tiebreaker, but you see where I'm at. It's close. Jets stink, though. The Jets are number eight, the six and four. The Chargers are number nine at five and five. And down there at number 10, the Indianapolis Colts at four, six, and one. Any plan or blueprint that you can derive or devise or come up with or synonyms are going to are is going to require you to win. So that's the big one. You gotta win. The keys to this success down the road is it honestly lies on the defense to just continue to play good football. Look, that defense kept us in the game. I know they I know they opened up a, a, a parkway for Hurts to score a touchdown in, in the final minutes. But our defense is the reason we were even in that game. Our defense stacks up with the best of the best in the NFL. Hands down, no fucking debate about it. So when you have a defense that do that, that does that, that can compete with anyone in the NFL, including the Eagles, who a lot of people think are the best team in the NFL. You can build around that. And now, they say week, week 12 is not the time to start building. Maybe not. But the situation the Colts are in right now, you got the number six seed Patriots at six and four, and the number 10 seed Colts at four, six, and one. So this isn't crazy. Jets aren't going to beat hardly anybody. I'm sorry. I don't care. They're just not. Chargers are having a rough year. They did look a lot better against Kansas City. They thought they had Mike Williams back. They don't. Keenan Allen was back, and he was huge against Kansas City. But listen to what I'm saying about the next two weeks. The blueprint. The Pats lose to the Vikings. The Bengals lose to the Titans. The Jets lose to the Bears, and the Chargers lose to the Cardinals. Those four things happen, and the Colts beat Pittsburgh at home on Monday night. Steps in the right direction. They don't all have to happen. The Colts have to win. You're basically in a you're you're basically in a brand new five team division. You're in a five team division, brand new five team division that you're two games out of. 
Patriots, Bengals, Jets, Chargers, Colts. Two of those five teams are going to go to the playoffs. The Colts are two games out of that second spot. Week 13, Pats lose to the Bills. Jets lose to the Vikings. Chargers lose to the Raiders. Bengals lose to the Chiefs. Again, <clears throat> I can see the Chargers coming out of this stretch with the Cardinals and the Raiders at, at winning both of those games. But Pats, Vikings, Pats, Bills, there's two losses. Bengals, Titans, uh, Bengals, Chiefs, there's very easily two losses. Jets, Bears, Jets, Vikings. Again, the Jets stink. Let's say the Chargers do win both those games. Suddenly you've got a 6-6 six and six tie with the Colts, the Jets, the Bengals, and the Patriots. And then you've got the Chargers at 7-5. and five. Colts with the disadvantage at 6-6-1. Six, six and one. Then you got the bye. And the Colts have to beat the Cowboys. Like, everything I'm saying right now is with the caveat that the Colts are going to continue to win or going to begin winning and then continue to win. The Colts can't win a football game. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Yeah. So the Colts can't win a football game. None of this matters. And I know that. And that's where I think a lot of people are just extremely negative about everything surrounding this football team. They can't win a game. They can't win a game. I feel like they can win games. I feel like their defense is good enough. I feel like the offense has potential. They've got weapons. They need to find a way to get time. I don't know why they're not in more jumbo sets. Jelani Woods being out does not help. But with Granson and Mo Alley Cox, just jumbo it up. Or two tight ends left, two tight ends right. Create a side of the football where you're going to have some space. Make a situation, creatively make a situation where Matt Ryan can get some fucking time. MPJ is the, the, the bigger, like stronger receiver. Paris Campbell's your speed guy. Alec Pierce can get out there and run some route. Alec Pierce is solid too. None of these guys are, I don't think any of these guys are, are pro bowlers. These guys are solid. Paris Campbell can find separation. Got to figure this out. Because if you've got a defense that can play this good, you're never out of anything. That's, to me, the blueprint's there. Here's how we make a playoff run. There's eight weeks of this season left. Yeah, eight. <laughs> Seven. Sorry. Jesus. Math. Seven weeks of this season left. We're two, two and a half games out of a playoff spot. We can get there. There's not a question in my mind that we can get there. The, the, the question is how. Through good defense, through efficient offense, 
Stop turning the fucking ball over and play good defense. Dividends. Dividends. And like I said, the Patriots, Bengals, Jets, and Chargers can all lose to anybody. The blueprint is there. It's going to evolve as the season goes on. But if the Colts can find a way to start winning games and start competing, the blueprint is there. That's my positive take on the 2022 Colts season and the uh, chances that we might make the playoffs. That's where I stand on it, okay? All right. Man, hour and 15 minutes almost. Going to be that by the time I'm done. If you're still here listening to the Sean B. Show, I appreciate you. If you're still listening on the podcast, I appreciate you. Hey, you live people. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, where you can find this show. Hey, you podcast people. Watch us live Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Facebook Live, the Sean B. Show Facebook page, youtube.com slash Sean B. Show, Second String Media on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Second String Media. Look, that's what's up. We got it. We got it. <laughs> we got to win games. Got to win games. I'll be back on Thursday. Still don't know what I'm doing on Thursday. I know as soon as I get done here, I've got to set up. This whole studio is going to get a, a big swap or because uh, Mind Snacks, we got a big night coming up tomorrow night on Mind Snacks. I can't wait for that. Big night, Thanksgiving episode. Getting ready to start uh, working on that one, promoing for that one. So get that Mind Snacks podcast. Subscribe to that as well while you're out there subscribing to stuff. Guys, this has been the Sean B. Show. I've recorded it live in the Edge Construction Studio. Okay? Edge Construction is a construction company that specializes in site development and dirt work. Okay? Yeah. But here's the thing. These guys can do anything. They got no slogan. They do site development. Their number is 812-343-3035. I've been told tales that they will pour a sidewalk all the way up to your front door. 812-343-3035. Tell Brian that the Mind Snacks podcast, holy shit, wrong podcast. Tell him that the Sean B. Show sent you. Either one of those will work. My God. My God. What a Tuesday. All right, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have a great rest of your day. I will see you on Thursday with a who knows what we're going to do show on Thursday. But uh, hopefully we'll have some awesome shit to talk about. See you.